Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 567 with Matthew Bullock. You can fucking do it. Like, you can for sure do it. Is it going to be difficult? Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Are you going to fuck up? You're going to fuck up a lot. But in the end of the day, like, you definitely can do it. You're going to come out on the other side. And, it, you know, it may not work, but it, it, it could work. And either way, you're going to learn a whole lot from it. And I don't think anyone should be discouraged from opening something or trying to open something. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Cash flow is something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing. And worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future until now. Welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next Next month, go to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and receive pro features at the essential features price. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethicssuite.com slash restaurants unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Matthew Bullock. My man, Matthew, are you feeling unstoppable today? Today's a great day. Dude, I'm today, feeling unstoppable. Today it's a good has got to be a day that today you're feeling great. unstoppable. Yeah. If you don't feel unstoppable I think as today. a crew, not as an individual, but as a crew, I feel like we're, we're doing pretty, pretty all right today. Yeah, and you'll find out in real quick why he's feeling unstoppable today. So hailing from Fort Worth, Texas, Matthew Bullock eventually found his way to Austin, where he began working in cafes. While working as a barista at Frank Restaurant, Bullock met Matt in Grady, Right, who were working in the tech and construction industry. Rather naturally, the three started the conversation around opening their own coffee shop and beer bar someday. Put that on pause. In 2012, Bullock left Frank to join Sterling Roberts in opening Flat Track, a coffee roaster and cafe, which is still going strong to this day. Remember those two dudes I just mentioned? Well, a few years later, Bullock joined the aforementioned Wright Brothers to open Wright Bros Brew and Brew. After a few years of success, it was time the trio opened their second new concept, Better Half Coffee and Cocktails, which opened in early 2018. It didn't take long for their concept to be recognized as one of the hottest spots in town and was just recently named Eater Austin's Best Restaurant of the Year. That, like, literally... Today is when you found out about that. Yeah, 11 a.m. Which is very, why you're feeling unstoppable. Very surprised. <laughs> which uh, is awesome. It's been a damn good day. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's great. And then uh, what else we got here? In addition, you have the uh, whole, you're opening Hold Out Brewing in Little Brother Bar in the next coming year. Yeah, I think like, like Little Brother, we're, 
about a month out, I would say. Okay. And then um, hold out. We're probably looking at spring of dude. next year. Yeah. Way to go, dude. Thanks, You're crushing man. It. Thank you. And uh, just kind of paint the, the, the scene real quick. You can hear some music in the background. We're actually sitting at Nickel City, which is where I recorded my interview with, with Travis Tober. And uh, they're open for business. So we got some Christmas carols in the background. We got some people sitting at the bar behind us. And... Uh, that's why it's a little noisy. This is my favorite bar. <laughs> it's this, an is, awesome this bar. is this is like basically my home. Nice green. I can't wait to dive into your story and to find out how you got to where you are today. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Since uh, day one, I think it was Matt Wright who probably coined it. He's with all of the like general bullshit you end up dealing with in the restaurant world. He always just when we come up and we we kind of get over a hump he always just says onward through the foam and I feel like that we, we've sort of taken that as nerdy as it is that's been like the uh, the deciding end of most emails and during a tough week OTTF uh, yeah you said onward through the foam like the, the foam. foam on the top of beer yeah where does that even come from oh, shit man you have to ask Matt right I don't know <laughs> I, don't I like know. it man I like a good way to get this thing started so where does the story start for you when did you get into this industry I grew. I mean, really, honestly, it's my, it's my mom. Like, I grew up in uh, a restaurant called named Cafe Matthew after me uh, when I was born. I like was born into it. Okay. Like quite literally. Um, so that was uh, you know from the very beginning. Uh, and then you know I, I went to film school in Florida, and you know I, I of course worked in the service industry all until I left to go to film school. Came back, moved to Austin for film. Ended up just working in coffee. Uh, found my way into. Uh, Frank restaurant through multiple homies, a buddy of mine, Tyler Wells. He's got many restaurants out there and or cafes out there in LA at this point. And uh, yeah, he brought me in and, and, and taught me how to do coffee the right way. So let's uh, bring it back to yeah. your mom's place. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Growing up in a restaurant, what'd you learn from your mom? I mean, I mean I'm actually right there with you because I, I kind of grew up in the restaurant industry too. And it's weird because you don't really know what you're learning because it's just what it is it's your life right yeah totally but i don't want to speak for you what was it like growing up in a restaurant uh a lot of paper airplanes (laughs) uh throwing those around bumming out customers probably um it was it's a really interesting restaurant it was like the like white tablecloth restaurant of the mid cities area between dallas and fort worth um it was yeah called cafe matthew and it was sort of like french american cuisine but then um when our first chef moved on and Jose took over, he was the Sioux. He brought like this really incredible Mexican influence. So I was looking back at these menus recently. There's like, it's like French American Mexican food. Like I don't, I've never seen anything like it. You know, like you look back, you don't know it when you're young, but yeah. you look back at it. You're like, it just is like, right? there's literally yeah. like classic French dishes and then like tortilla soup. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> like how? And, but it was all super incredible. They got, you know, rave reviews. It was just a classic restaurant. Um, did but you have yeah. any aspiration of working in food and beverage when you were a kid or did that come later? It was, I mean, I definitely wanted to like be around it. You know, the environment is so family oriented, like based on like the staff and like, e- like everything that goes into it, you're all in it together. And I felt that, you know, that was just, I think part of growing up was like just being in the restaurant with all of these like family members, like this, the servers were my babysitters and you know, like I, I, man, I mean, I've still know these people till today, you know? So, so something um, kind of just uh, settled with me or something like kind of came into my mind, the significance of the phone call you just had. So we were sitting here and I was getting ready for this interview and Matthew says to me, I got to go outside. My mom's calling me. Uh, she just got the news that I, we won best restaurant in Austin. That must have been an amazing, from somebody who spent 
a lot of their life as a restaurant owner, she must have that. What, what did that conversation go like? So she is currently working on like this incredible, like she's been in the food service my, the entire time I've been alive, right? So, um, you know, she's 69 going on 70 and she's just hustling day in and day out still. Like she sold her catering company, thought that was going to be her reti- retiring She's still full force. Like she's working crazy hours. She's working on like this um, incredible uh, hospitality training situation for uh, kind of like underprivileged youth and things like that up in in Dallas area. So she was just hanging out with um, the owner of Lucia in Dallas. Okay. And I guess I think maybe they were named best rest like restaurant of the year up there. So she was just talking to to her about you know that we were nominated but we only had like eight percent of the vote like i didn't know this was like <laughs> totally like we're up with you know suerte and brewer's table these are all friends of ours like good friends yeah. that are doing incredible cuisine right so um that's totally blew me away so when I, I i texted her this morning at like 11 and she was just she's been working all day um and she just called yeah so that that wasn't like you know mom mom's crying you I know bet, what i mean man. like it, you know it definitely is a, it's a big deal for How'd her that feel big deal for to, me to have that conversation it's, with your mom it's incredible you I know bet. like she's that she told me when i was like 15 or 14 like never whatever you do never open a fucking restaurant yeah, like just don't same conversation like, with don't do it you know like i think that's like the classic i feel like every restaurateur or i work you know, so hard so you don't have to yeah, not right? to say i'm that but like <laughs> yeah, yeah like people i feel like have been saying that forever yeah. why would you ever do it it's pain it's so much pain and yeah. you know um, with little reward a lot of the time, you know, but that was incredible talking to her outside. Like, I don't know. feels great. It's, I can only imagine, man. Yeah. You, must have, you must have felt like you're yeah. on top of the world. And now Absolutely. you're sitting with me and not that I am anywhere near getting a, an eater <laughs> award, but like, the timing is uncanny. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so really dive into how your young life in your opinion today influenced you did you learn anything from your mother watching her run her business uh how did she mold who you i mean your mother what kind of question is that how did your mom mold who you are today? Right, right, like, right. obviously she had a huge influence on you but what what do you remember about how she did business that stuck to you or with you to this day to me it was like how she built a clientele of just like super passionate regulars for her spot you know um she just took care of everyone around her all the time like she was just constantly making sure everyone was having the best time they could possibly have uh, from the restaurant and then into, you know, I, that was only until I was, man, I guess restaurant closed when I was 10, roughly. Like they built this giant uh, overpass in front of the restaurant and made it difficult for people to get there. It became, it just kind of had seen its time. Yeah. Um, and she moved into doing a little bit of consulting and then opening a catering uh, uh, place called Just Catering early on, turned to Bravo Catering later. Um, and watching her work events and, you know, catering with her and have, and just, she kills it. Like she takes care of every little detail mm. and it makes her so incredibly happy to be, to be able to like make someone's like experience event time just be incredible. And I, I that's, I know that stuck with me forever for yeah, sure. I can imagine. So eventually she talks you out of getting into the restaurant industry. She you never know. actually talked to me out of anything really. I mean, she's told me to do, not do a lot of things that I, I I'm sure I did. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I went, I did go to film school because I, I was super into Like, honestly, I was riding BMX with my buddy Sterling, who uh, I opened flat track with and we would film a lot of it. And from there I got pretty into to film and it, you know, that was kind of the direction I was headed. Um, but clearly that is not what when did happened. you get off that track. <laughs> like what, at what point do you say film's not for me? I want to get into coffee or when did you like take us through that point? I moved down here. Um, like for a lady, uh, as you do. And, uh, you know, she was going to UT and I was, 
uh, working at a, a little shop called Starbucks, and uh, you know, I, I I honestly like I really was that your first barista experience? That was yeah, that was my first barista. I, I, I was at Starbucks for man, I think like probably four years or something. I transferred from uh, from weather, at that time I was in we were in Weatherford, Texas. Uh, it's where I grew up mostly, and uh, yeah, I transferred with Starbucks. They had a great transfer program. You worked for ninety days, yep. and you could basically transfer wherever. And there's like the ability to like crush a line, be able to talk to folks, like multitask, be just insanely busy all day was like, I think super beneficial. And I like, I will hire you for if you're from Starbucks, you know what I mean? That's the point I was going to make. Like a lot of people, uh, even myself, like I'll rag on the, the franchises, the corporations of the world. I don't think, I think we need fewer of them in the world, but I would agree at the same time. You can learn a shit ton. I learned so much. <laughs> you can learn yeah, so yeah, much totally. from being in that environment, learning the importance of systems, processes, procedures. Like, what did you learn? I mean, I I learned a lot. I also realized that, like, I thought I knew more than I knew, like immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was it was really just that exact thing that I really looked at looked to my mom for as well as like just crushing customer service, like being like so incredibly genuine, trying to be like. Hopefully, I come across that way sometimes. But yeah. um, you know, seeing what she did was. It, 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 you know, Starbucks also provided a, a place for for that to be like front and center. I feel like, and um, yeah, like talking to people, but moving them quickly through a line and making it seem like you're not just blowing them off when it's like the next person has to come through. So, what's the art of coming across or being interested or genuinely you, being interested that's, while saying, "Okay, next"? That's like, literally you it. That? You have to actually be interested. Yeah, but how do you bounce? the interest and then also say, well, that was good. Your 30 seconds is up. I need to get to the next. Cup. It's a super short Bob and weave. It's like, it's like, you know, you, you have your conversation and then you're like, Hey, so great. Um, we're going to get, you know, we're, we're going to move you on down and we're going to get you set up with your beverage. You're going to love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and just yeah, be yeah. like, and then kind of look past and like get so that next person. To move. As it pleasant. has to be fluid. Yeah. There's not like a, a there's not like a actual, uh, recipe for that it's really something that i think you learn in your own way because everyone does it differently mm-hmm. um the there are definitely those servers that i'm sure we've all had where you're like cool so um i'm so glad that you're into our conversation but like i i'm here to like get yeah. my get my shit and enjoy it you yeah. know like can we can we continue this Not like maybe up the social cues like, right? <laughs> uh, so if you pulled one thing from starbucks that you that has influenced you most of this day what would you say it is? I mean, it was honestly just uh, like developing regulars. Like <clears throat> if you've been to a Starbucks, like, you know, there are people that come in there and they obviously know the baristas and they know their yep. names and they're there every day. And as a giant company, the ability to like build that sort of connection to the customer on a scale as large as Starbucks is absolutely incredible to me. It blows my mind thinking about it. So like, what do they teach you about building those regulars? I mean... I think honestly, it was just like caring to do it because once you care to do it and once you actually really enjoy, you realize that like the whole reason I'm in this industry is because of service. Like mm. coffee was just the vessel, right? So I, I enjoy people and I enjoy the conversation and I enjoy making something that they maybe can't get at home, you know? Um, so what I, what the whole thing for me was just like being able to provide all of that and also like just get to meet all these rad people and like that it doesn't work unless you're like stoked on that side of it. Right. Yeah. So for me, it was just, it was just, it was service. That was a vessel and, and it was incredible. Like I, I, awesome. mo- I moved on from there and 
it just got so much better and like way more difficult because there's a lot of structure. We definitely don't have that sort of structure, uh, you know, but like that, that was, I feel, I feel like it's super beneficial. Okay. Yeah. So I'm tempted to like keep moving forward because you got so much that has happened since like 2011 to current day in the past eight years. You got to like dissect a lot of that. Uh, but what ultimately made you leave Starbucks? Why, if, if you did have these regulars and you did enjoy it and you were learning a lot, why did you get out of there? Well, I got a different job. Like, you know, you're young, you're moving. Like the thing I wanted to do as like a, a, a young person in Austin is not work for a company because everyone, all of your, 20 year old friends are like you work at Starbucks man like (laughs) you know you want to work at like a local shop right like that's the move so I got a different job and I moved on Um, I worked at Joe's Coffee for a while and uh, how many different places did you work at between leaving Starbucks and going to Frank I mean that was like that was the move I went from Starbucks to Joe's to Frank to Frank pretty much yeah so anything worth spending time on at your time at Joe's or Frank's, uh, the, the influence anybody might have had on you, the things you might have learned about yourself or the business that, that we can spend time on? I mean, I think that, you know, every, every place you work, you're going you're gonna to end up filling your, your toolbox, you know, a little bit more, right? So you're adding, you're adding things to it. I don't think, like, I was only at Joe's for roughly a year. Okay. Um, it was super, to me, super beneficial to see, like, how that group was you know how they were structuring things i think that was important you know moved into management pretty quickly um but what i realized uh at the time they've upped their coffee game like immensely like they're serving intelligentsia now like they're they're doing it you know at the time i think that specialty coffee was on the come up in austin it wasn't like cafe medici was like they were the place and frank was like the obvious let's time skip he said at the time just to give an idea of where we are looking at 2010 okay you know 09 probably okay um and Frank was opening. So this is just two years before you opened your own place. Yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, I didn't exactly like open a place in okay. 2012. Yeah, okay, it was we'll it, it was more of a uh, like a, a scramble <laughs> of like figuring out how to do events and, and shit before you like. So, so yeah. things kind of get a little interesting after Joe's because you go to Frank. That's I where do. you meet your future business partners. But it was actually before. You met your future business partners, uh, Grady and Matt. At Frank, yeah. At Frank. Mm-hmm. And then you went and you opened Flat Track. Yeah, so kind of, do you want to kind of describe how that sort of yeah, happened? I mean, yeah, like, I don't want to so, confuse the listeners, but no, you no, can no. take it from there. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I left Joe's, I went to Frank. Um, Tyler Wells, uh, who ended up, you know, opening uh, the Intelligentsia in Pasadena and then opened uh, Handsome Coffee Roasters with Mike Phillips and Chris Owens, like, huge, amazing minds in coffee. Um, he trained me and then they trained me as well. Uh, as far as like specialty coffee goes and in service as well. Um, and then, you know, they moved on. I took over that pro that, that project of like running that, uh, that coffee bar, uh, for like, you know, Jeff and, and Daniel and all those kids, all those guys over at, uh, at Frank. And then from there, like Sterling and I from Sterling from flat track, I've known him since I was probably 15. We grew up riding BMX together and Grady and I met also at Frank and we started scheming on this beer and coffee concept. And while we were doing that, I think one day, like we were out riding and Sterling was, was just sort of like, we should do a thing. Like it was very <laughs> casual, you know what I mean? Like we should do a thing. I was like, what do you want to do? He's like, you know, coffee. I was like, yeah, I know coffee. I can probably figure it out. And he was like, uh, well, let's, let's do a thing. So we, we got like 10 K together, very small amount of money. Yeah. Bought some equipment from Tyler out at handsome coffee. Okay. And, uh, we just started like trying to make coffee wherever we could, like literally anywhere. Like we would trailer it down the street and open for like, 
East Austin studio tour at some random spot. Uh, we do any sort of like motorcycle event. Like we're into bikes and cars and stuff like that. So anywhere we could make coffee, we'd basically do it. And then uh, we ended up opening a tiny shop in the back of Farewell Books, which was on Cesar Chavez. Like it was literally like 250 square feet, like small guy. Okay. Um, ran that for a good long while. And what's a good long while? I'd say we were there for shit, man. Maybe two years. Someone's going to Sterling's probably going to correct me on this. I don't know. Okay. Exactly. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, in the midst of that, like Grady and our Grady and I had already started working on this business plan for Broom Broom. So this was sort of like, like flat track just kind of happened because we like sort of punk rock forced it into, into existence. Right. So, we didn't tell the city. We never pulled permits. We didn't pull health. We just put an espresso machine in a closet size space. You started taking people's money. Yeah. Well, we we call it we call it donations. We were like, so maybe if we call it donated uh, for you know, coffee for donation. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. So then maybe the city won't care or something. Yeah. Turns out they care. Yeah. And they shut us down immediately. Uh, well, not immediately. Seven but, months like, in. Did you get into so, trouble? Like, or did you do jail time? Pretty sure Sterling got a warrant because of like almond milk. That was sitting on the counter when the health came in. Like they just, oh. they were just trying to throw it at us, right? They were okay. pissed that we existed. Yeah, someone someone complained. So I don't know who it was, but someone complained. But at the same time, like the the value of just diving in and just going after it and learning and uh, you know just fucking do it, right? That's, yeah. And I'm not I'm not recommending like that you yes go and no and open like, restaurants without <laughs> permits. Like obviously you should, but when you're young and dumb, no offense to you. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> you know what I'm I, like, I would say older and dumb at you this can point. Get too. away with the shit. Like just <laughs> yeah. do it. Like you're. 21, 22, like you're young and like people are going to slap your wrist, but you're going to learn a shit ton at the same time. We did. We definitely learned not to do that again, yeah. but uh, we learned a lot in, in the, in the middle of that, you know, and we had a lot of, a lot of really insanely great times and a lot of fighting, like a lot of just he and I being like, we, you know, they say don't open a business with your friends or your family. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, which is weird. Cause Matt and Grady are totally brothers and they, they, fucking, yeah. they, they nail it. I don't know how they do it. They're so great. Um, but yeah, like we, you know, we argued a lot and we also just tried to get through it. I was working seven days a week in the cafe every single day. We had no employees, just so me. So knowing what you know back then, what would you have done different to, I mean, it's still going strong to this day. Totally. But what would you have done differently to make your quality of life better than going into a partnership with a friend like that? Um, yeah, I would say that the, what I've learned a lot from working with Matt and Grady is it's so incredibly important to like, you know, figure out where your, your skill set ends and someone else's begins because, you know, Sterling and I as partners, uh, we have a lot of the same like skill sets. Like, you know, we want to like have a good time and like make it fun and like, you know, whatever, like we want to, we want to are in the same lane. Yeah. We're in the same lane. Like neither of us are really numbers guys. Mm -hmm. Sterling as a, you know, growing up has always been the dude that can like, hustle and like flip a car for more money or, or like buy a bike and like sell it for 200 extra dollars the (laughs) next day. Right. So I was like, Oh, he can wheel and deal. This will be fine. You know? And it it doesn't really work that way. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so much different, you know? Uh, so we weren't, we were just going at it from like no experience, just going for it. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier and it's something that kind of like made my ears rise a little bit. Like they say all the time, don't go into business with friends and family. But like you said, the, the Wright brothers, right. Are crushing it. There's exceptions to the rule. So I, I don't necessarily know if I subscribe to that way of thinking where okay. don't go into friends, yeah, and yeah, friends yeah. and family because I've spoken to so many people 
I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, but you I'm, talked to well, Brandon and Zane exactly, like just the other day. Yeah, right? totally. You see it all the time. It does work. It can work. But where, when it works, it's not. I think it has less to do with um, being friends or family and more to do with do you balance each other well? Are absolutely. You, are you complimentative to each other? I think that is way more of the fact. Yeah, yeah absolutely. for sure. And, and uh, it sounds like in this situation uh, with your with these other business partners, you guys all, all kind of have your lane. Yeah, like I, you know, yeah, absolutely. I'm the service guy. And they, neither of them had worked in the industry before, but they've both done like very important roles in other businesses. Like Matt and Matt and Grady, I would just go ahead and say they're basically geniuses at this point. Is it kind of where I, I, I feel like they're both magic and genius all in the same way? Uh, well, they probably feel the same way about you and what you can do because it's, it's foreign to them. So it's going to feel that way. It Sorry definitely to was to start. You know, I think that they've both um, worked shifts and they both have like naturally taken to the industry in a way that I never would have expected. Um, they're obviously just, they're just naturals kind of at what the things that they do. Like I watched and it's, an, it's really incredible to watch those two. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, Grady's, Grady's construction and he was, you know, he was the project manager for the W hotel build doing all of like the HVAC stuff. Right. So he has like this incredible, like knowledge base for any project that we go into. And Matt is just like a spreadsheet nerd like total nerd building things to try and streamline all the time he's like hey i built there's an email that came through hey i built a thing and it's like you know a a spreadsheet that (laughs) allows you to track exactly how you know how much each uh uh staff member makes with tips included on you know at like it's incredible like he's just like and these are things that i know that people do and that's but like Matt's building that shit on his own, and I think that's really cool. That is pretty cool. So, I'm, I'm one thing I'm curious about: um, what it's like. How do you juggle uh, different partnerships without getting other partners jealous, or like, oh, you're giving? It's like being in a monogamous relationship with business partners instead of sexual partners, right? Yeah, totally. Like, so, like, what's it like when you have a business partner and uh, you're in business with this person and you have two other partners to say, hey, we, we want you to go into business with, with us too. How do, you, how do you navigate those waters? Well, with me, I, I, I can just, you know, again, I can only speak for my experience, but like, you know, for me, we, uh, we, the idea of Brew & Brew was hashed out before Flat Track, right? So we, Matt and Grady and I had, gotten together both those dudes are super pragmatic like we're building this business plan um and doing it like the way that we all have viewed was the correct method to getting to the to to opening the the place right so we built the business plan talked about it you know weekly meetings constantly while they were working their jobs and i'm working another job i was like at that that point i'm pretty sure i was like bussing tables for like home slice pizza like i was just trying to get money to live until we could get this off the ground okay and you know, meanwhile, you know, Sterling, while we're doing that, is sort of like, hey, we should do a thing. And we like just sort of do it like eh, and we're going to trip and fall into a cafe. Yeah. And we did um, that, you know, Grady and Matt. So the we ball were, was moving yeah. with Grady and Matt before. before. Got you. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, we're going and then like all of a sudden, like flat tracks, like kind of starting to, you know, whatever taking off looks like for that size of a space yeah. and a brand. Um, people were stoked on it. And I think there is a moment where like, Sterling even said to me like okay dude like Broom Brew's opening like now like we have to figure this out you know what I mean and he was totally right like yeah. it, there's not enough time in the day to be able to be at both places so how did he what was like that energy was he uh, open minded about it was he like ha- we had some words yeah yeah we had some words um, you know but I'm assuming you guys are still good f- 
to this day. Yeah, we're friends, buds. Yeah, we're buds. You can open about it. You can speak to it openly without like hurting family. Yeah, totally. We're buds. But you know, there were some words, and I think that it was super smart of us both to just sort of be like, "Cool." So obviously, my time is now going to be predominantly at Brew and Brew, mm-hmm. especially because that was the thought from the beginning, right? So I, you know, kind of took a back seat and we kind of rejiggered the company over at flat track for lack of a better term. It's just the two of us. Right. Yeah. So we, we, we rejiggered a little bit and I think it was probably the smartest move for both of us. Like flat track is killing it, you know, and we brought in some different partners and, uh, yeah, I think we're both just so much more like so much happier at like the stress level of like, well, you're not holding up this part or, you know, like you're spending too much time over there or, you know, whatever. So I think it was just really smart, um, of both of us to just sort of be like grown up about it and be like, cool so we need to like rejigger things yeah. and yeah so then i we you know moved over to, to brew and brew and yeah we you so know. what advice do you have for somebody who might be in that situation or find themselves in the situation where they have two business two separate partners or groups of partners and there's a a term or terms have to be met right an agreement has to be made what advice do you have with handling a situation like that you lay it out I mean, you know, looking at it now, I would think that like a lawyer in the middle would be a great idea, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe try and figure out what that looks like legally. Um, But at the time it was more like just buds, right? So we're just trying to figure it out. Uh, As far as like advice goes, um, I think it just makes sense to like be super honest and like, what do I need from my partner for this thing? And what do you need? for you from your other partners. Like you have to just all kind of maybe for lack of a better term, get in a room and figure it out. Yeah. Um, that's the best I, I could, I could do. Cause I, I think, or I could say, cause that's kind of what we ended up and then, doing. Then get the lawyer, get it in writing, protect yeah, yourself. Absolutely. Gotcha. And just remember that you're all, you're all just kind of trying to make it work. You know, mm-hmm. no one's out to get anybody. Gotcha. And we're all just trying to open businesses and, yeah. and have a good time. You and, know, it, yeah. it's funny that you mentioned that. And this is kind of a side track of sure. a caveat, but, um, you mentioned something earlier that kind of just came quickly and went that your friends, maybe it wasn't even during the recording, but, but you're friends with all these other people who are doing well in the city. Like you guys are all buds. Like a, a gentleman just came over, um, Jr. Jr. Yeah. who owns, he's got last straw, last straw, uh, who just won best bar in Austin. Yeah, totally. Right? And you guys are all buds and you're all hanging out and you're up against all these other people that were go- jockeying for the same title, but you're not like it's free. Yeah. Is there a friendly competition? But at the same time, you're also like, pump for each other absolutely right? jr like, opened this bar we're in right now yeah. like this is this he, he who was the only opening crew like this bar would not be you know what it is without those people from the very beginning and jr was one of those people so i and then you know he goes down the street opens another bar there's hilarious instagram drama between the two of them <laughs> that is like not real right but like that's so fun like to me that's super and like super cool yeah but to come full circle i guess the point that i'm trying to make is this mentality of it's not me against you. No, it can't be in, in partnerships in, even in, um, within the city, right? It's us. It's, it's, you know, we, we need to look at each other. Uh, whenever you draw a line and you say it's us versus them, like that's when shit goes like bad, right? Yeah, totally. And what we say, if you have a, the, the us mentality, like we as a community need to lean on each other and help each other out and be psyched for each other and offer advice to each other. I mean, that's, I'm picking up that vibe from you. That's how I feel. And I, I feel super fortunate to be um at least kind of considered in that family i hope you know in in this city um in the time that we've been doing this uh you know like 
wor- working in the industry here, I've just met so many just absolutely fucking incredible people. And like watching them, like uh, Sam over at Suerte, uh, he was he's one of he's a partner at um, Barley Swine and Odd Duck as well. And they just opened, you know, he, uh, Fermin uh, just won Chef of the Year. Same thing, same same day, right? So we yeah. all we're all stoked for each other, right? Uh, but Sam was working on Suerte while I was working on with Matt and Grady uh, Better Half, and. Sam's a one he was like a one man show with that which is crazy like is crazy. of course for me on food but on construction and project management and all that stuff it's one dude where I've got we've got three of us yeah. right so in your uh, own respective land yeah totally and so like going into this opening while he's going into his there was just a lot of really amazing like I feel like just forever binding moments that we've had where he's like Seriously, I cannot believe that my bathroom is flooded and I'm about to fucking open. You know, and I'm like, dude, I cannot believe. Insert you know random issue, right? Yeah. It's these these amazing moments that you share with other people that are doing a similar thing. Yeah. I think that's also a byproduct of what happens when you have the mentality of us versus me versus them. When it's an us mentality, you you share the battle stories. You have somebody to call. You have somebody to go to. You're not alone anymore. Totally. Right? There's there's. There is an, there's an incredible group of people in this city, but they're out there. I mean, yeah, like if you're opening something. There are people doing it at the same time or right around the same time uh, near you. And, Lean and like on those people, finding those, pe- find those yeah. people, talk to those people. Um, it is very difficult to open anything in the city uh, just with the permitting situation and uh, being able to have that beer or have that coffee with that person that's like doing the same shit you're doing or something similar and talk about those things mm. is I think super important. Yeah, man. So we got to talk about, uh, opening up brew and brew. Um, should we put a pause in here? How's your beer doing? I'm good. Okay, you good? good? You, you might need, it looks like you might need a beer. You want to grab a beer? Well, I'll wait for you to finish your okay, beer. All right, we'll fair. go up together. Gentlemen. We'll all right. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about, uh, brew and brew. Uh, we kind of got to the point where you're about to open. Yeah. Uh, take it from there. Yeah, so we were, uh, that's it. I'm going to jump back a little bit. So we ended up, we were looking for a, like a, a, a freestanding building to open Brew and Brew in for 250 grand, which is uh, <laughs> what we thought at the time, like, this is going to do it. Yeah. Um, we, it turns out that doesn't do it. And we ended up purchasing Progress Coffee uh, from Josh Bingaman, who owns Helm Boots here in town, good friend of ours now. Um, and that was a little coffee shop. And we bought it, like, essentially, like, assets, lease, all that, right? Uh, not the name so much. And we moved in there, and it was, like, the weirdest thing where you you go from, like, trying to open a thing, and you, and you find this coffee shop that's, you know, for sale. And Tyler Wells, who trained me at, flat, at, uh, at Frank, was the one who kind of orchestrated the deal. Like, hey, my buddy Josh is selling a thing. Y'all want to buy a thing. Let's figure it out. Yeah. So we did that, and in a day like in a like there's a minute where we sign some paper and after that paper is signed we now have an entire running coffee shop like a staff all this it's just the weirdest feeling I, I can't explain to you what that's like but it's all of a sudden you go from like trying to open the thing that you've dreamed of and then you all of a sudden own a totally different thing yeah, you inherit that is you inherit it thing, yeah. and the staff and the the, the concept and uh, the regulars and the problems and everything. So this is actually really interesting because uh, just got done interviewing both Sarah and um, and Nathan from Foreign and Domestic, and yeah. they had a similar situation with taking over Foreign and Domestic, but they chose to keep the brand. Right. So I'm curious, 
they have their reasons. Go listen to those episodes if you want to. Find I totally out will. Yeah, I can't wait. And I also I haven't been up there. I'm the worst, but I can't wait to go try. Yeah, it. and yeah. that was for the listeners. Not yeah, you, for but sure. You can listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it great. Too, uh, to kind of get caught up. Uh, but why did you? So you chose the you chose to change the brand and to change everything. Yeah, we had worked with. Um, Justin Cox on getting the design done and had the name um, and we you know we were for sure going to do our project you know um, progress was not a beer bar we have 40 taps over at brew and brew like that's like our that's a huge half of the business right yeah um, and progress also is still a brand so that wasn't in the cards anyway like they still roast and they sell um, they have I don't think they they might have a shop but they definitely have still have a, a, a presence at like Whole Foods and stuff as well um, so yeah, it made way made all the sense to just flip it and uh, turn it into our own, which was another slew of incredible weird yeah. problems. So I mean, again, the foreign domestic situation was a unique in the sense that both those folks worked at that restaurant before. So yeah, it's kind of like a passing of the baton. Absolutely. Whereas this is like this is our thing. We're gonna rebrand it. But I like the approach that you took to be somebody's exit strategy. Right? Yeah. If yeah, somebody totally. wants out, and you can be their exit strategy. Odds are you're going to get the better deal. Did you get the better deal? No. No, really? Okay, why? What happened? Sorry, Josh. Um, no, we, I feel like uh, we were just really hungry. Yeah. And I think that, as far as like, would we have been able to do it in a different way? Fucking no way. Like 250 grand to like build an entire thing and like, you know, like we didn't have, we weren't working really with architects. Like our buddy Kevin, yes, but like we weren't building a new, I don't know. It, it we got the deal that we got, and I think we wouldn't be here talking today had we not like made that deal. But if you look at it now from where I am, and I look at that deal, not the best in the world. No, okay. like the day after we signed it, like I'm over at Flat Track Working Bar, and uh, one of the I think Erica, who now owns uh, Flitch Coffee, she left Progress and then trained with Brew and Brew. Was at Brew and Brew for a long time. Left there, opened her own coffee shop, and it's amazing. Um, she called. She's like, so. Espresso machine just broke, uh, and the fridge and one of the fridges just went out. It's like literally, it almost felt like it was like set to pop, like right when we signed the lease. But you know, like those are those are things you don't know. I didn't know. Yeah, you know. And uh, would I would I do it any other way? No. Like so, why why would you have not done it any other way? Because we we didn't we didn't have the knowledge to really and, and like we didn't have the the dollars and all of the stuff really queued up to build really build our own spot right yeah that's actually um, one thing i'm kind of curious about because we're talking about the dollars we didn't have the dollars but you had business partners that seem mm-hmm. to be pretty well off or successful in their own respected fields they're getting a little bored they wanted to do something different totally where did you guys go for financing did you guys have to get loans friends or? and family okay yeah we and you know um we had to finance the purchase of progress uh, but we, you know, friends and family, like my mom threw some dollars nice. on it. Uh, nice. and we just, we have this, and we were just super lucky and Matt yeah. and Grady just have like, apparently like the sweetest friends yeah. too. That you answers know? that question. We can yeah. move on. So you got the money from friends and family. You're, you're moving into this uh, operation, not quite turnkey because you're changing the brand. You're changing the concept. Uh, and you wouldn't have changed it for any other way. And that's where we left off. So why wouldn't you have changed it for any other way? It got us exactly to where we are now. You know, like it, we ended up, um, bringing what I think like the neighborhood already had and needed a little more of, which is like a, a, a really like a quality, what I like to think is a quality cup of coffee and also like an incredible, incredibly well curated beer selection. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's, it's a neighbor, it's like a little neighborhood pub. And I think 
I think it's great. I love it. I love the space. It's an old where like an old warehouse, you know. And I think I wouldn't have done it any other way. Okay. So yeah. looking back at that time, getting the ball moving, uh, learning, adapting, pivoting. What were some of the lessons you learned during that time? If you can reflect back to any moments of falling hard on your ass, but getting back up and what you learned from that experience, does anything come to mind? Oh man, there were some, there's some funny ones. Yeah. Um, but like most of that stuff is just kind of like goofy moments in service and trying to figure out like how to take care of people, you know, uh, with, with our, our business model that we've, we've fabricated. Right. Um, but I think like, one of the big ones was just like the three, I, I think even till today, like the three of us thinking that like, this is going to be the thing that we can live on collectively as like a kind of just a, uh, neighborhood cafe, like with salary and stuff. It's like, it's, it's a lot, you know, three partners pulling from one business is a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, that's probably the main takeaway for me is like, um, you know, it, it isn't this, like I knew it wouldn't be glamorous. Right. But like, it's it it's hard to pay yourself, man. It's yeah. fucking tough to it, pay it's, yourself. It's interesting. I feel like there's a I'm, I'm seeing a trend right now with a lot of the people that I interview that they have a lot of partners, and I it's there's a give and take, right? There's a, there are pros and cons to to having partners. Like we mentioned earlier, you all have your own lane. You can all focus on doing the thing that you do. And that's it. And when you can just put all that energy and focus into doing your portion of the business, you can do it better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're gonna, you're going to outperform other people in your market, right? Absolutely. You're going to put out a better quality, better product, a better service. Hope so. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But like you mentioned, you're also sharing the reward with two other people, right? Mm-hmm. When you have three partners. Um, what was your solution to this? Well, we're opening our now third, fourth, and then fifth the business uh, because I mean, it, you know. It, originally, I think that we were all the three of us were sort of like, "This is it. We did it. We're not opening anything else." This what was, was your, insane. What was your mentality going into that first location? Did you did you think then that you would be opening other concepts and businesses with these two individuals? I did because I'm kind of a dummy, and I was like, "This is fun." Uh, <laughs> and I think Matt and Grady were both like, "You know, this was really insanely hard, and it was." Uh, and you know, this is the thing we're opening, and we're probably going to be here. And when I, you know, I remember we kind of talked about opening other things, and I think we all were hesitant to, to say the least and then you know after time goes by you, you realize like well i think that we probably should you know to be able to pull at least a salary off of here one of ours uh put it onto a new project um let broom brew breathe a little bit uh you know and i think there was that there was also like i don't know you get you get a little antsy i think as well and you and you want and you want to do something new and you get excited yeah, about it so exactly uh and you're totally just you know masochistic as well yeah so i think one of the trends i've seen with these other folks that take this approach that you've taken is that they uh they know that it's going to be rough in the beginning they're going to be three maybe even four partners all pulling from this one concept right and they know that you know we're, we're going to go into this. It might be two years, three years, where it's hard, but we're going to we know that together we can be the best. And when, when we garner that reputation, when we build a track record, when we go to open that second rec- restaurant with the reputation we have, with the 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 track record we have, will it will get easier. But we know we can do it with us as a team together. And that's kind of the mentality that they have: is it's going to be hard in the beginning, but we will scale. And with our skill sets, our unique skill sets, like we can do something huge. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I would agree with that. Um, I don't think that we, any of us, ever thought we were going to do anything huge. And I, you know, and I definitely never thought we were going to like think about like scaling up, you know, from where we were. I think it was sort of like we're going to open this, and then 
that's as about as far as about as far as we yeah, were. And then really, you're like, oh shit, we, uh, need more we money. should probably <laughs> we should probably open something else too, you know. Yeah, uh, and then you realize that like you very much enjoy like as much as it's really difficult and crazy. I mean, it's it's glutton for punishment. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, when did things start really humming at Brew and Brew? Um, they've you know they're just they're cruising. They're not like we're not like destroying it, but they're cruising. It's a neighborhood cafe and and bar and. Um, I think it just, it really, it really hit its like, like it, the spot that it's at now, uh, when we, we got, uh, our GM, Jeff, he's just like, just awesome. And he's, yeah, he's just a killer dude and he's so calm and collected and he just does a great job running the shop. And then our, uh, our like lead, I like to call him a mascot, uh, cause <laughs> Mateo, uh, is like just the most Austin person I probably know. And he's an incredible human and like super just, uh, he's got a huge heart and he runs our coffee program right now. Uh, and has for, he's our longest running employee. We have a little shrine on the shelf for him. And then, uh, and Chris Mumford as well. Like he runs our beer program and he's like the biggest beer dork ever. Um, so I, I think when those people found their roles, that's when it really started to like, so were they it's, on it's your all, team before they had the roles? Yes, they were. Uh, Jeff was so working bar. You weren't recruiting to fill these roles. They just naturally fell into those Absolutely. roles. Absolutely. How do you create that culture where people fall into these roles and take on that responsibility? I think we... It's hard to say. I mean, when you... It's, it's so funny, like, hearing these questions. Like, it's, I, don't, I don't think about how to create that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's really just like Matt and Grady and I are... We're not like a... Like a yeah, we we're opening places, but we're not like a restaurant group. So mm-hmm. we, we're in the shop. You know, we're working bar sometimes where you know i used to work bar a lot like basically exclusively um but i think you end up when when you you just see these people that are absolutely fucking crushing it at their at their job it it's it's just sort of a natural thing you know and you're you're there every day and you're you're trying to crush it alongside those people i think that uh it it kind of creates this sort of climate for for that to me so um, you're giving them more responsibility. Like, uh, how are they falling into those roles? Are you giving them the framework? Are they creating their framework? What does it look like? We, I mean, we basically see it, acknowledge it amongst the three of us, and then sort of build that role for them mm. more than like, find, like, hey, we need this thing to happen. Um, we sort of let them kind of, like, I, I see that Mateo, like, fits this specific thing. We sort of created that role for him. You know mm. what I mean? Um, and he does a great job at it. Uh, versus which we'll talk about in a minute, opening better half. We came at that with all of this knowledge from brew and brew um, and knowing that we're going to need a general manager and a chef and a sous chef and a bar manager and things that we hired for, mm-hmm. for open, which we did not do at brew and brew because we basically thought we were just going to run it ourselves. Okay. Let's transition into that. But first let me ask to set yeah. it up. When did you know you had the bandwidth to take on another restaurant? Like how, cause you were the operations person. Like you're on the floor. You're the, the service person, right? We're Matt and Grady uh, right there shoulder to shoulder with you? Yeah. So we're, they we're, quit their jobs at this time? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we were. Well, I think Matt probably right up to open was still working a bit in his gig. Um, but yeah, we were, all, we were all doing it together. Like okay. we were all there every day. Okay. Got you. So how did you know you had the bandwidth to go to the second location? We totally did not. Okay. Yeah. 100% did not. Okay. Uh, we so how did you survive? Well, we, you know, we, we didn't actually decide like, Hey, we want to, um, we want to open this restaurant or this cafe or this bar or this, whatever we sort of, uh, we have a, an incredible uh, partner and, uh, 
uh, named Mike, Michael Bullard, and he's also like a real estate guy. Like that's his that's his main thing, um, and he's been helping us since day one. He just casually would drop locations. You know, it's like, okay. oh, here's this, here's a cool spot. Go plant check. Yeah, seeds. he would yeah. plant the seeds, and I think that you know over over time you start to see those things, and you maybe build a concept for the space mm-hmm. and kind of go from there. And that's sort of, it wasn't that we knew we had the bandwidth to do it. It was sort of like, well, you know, the shop is running extremely well. Thanks to these incredible people. Um, we can, we don't have to be on site all the time. We're sometimes getting in the way uh, if you're on site. And then, yeah, that, I think that was. So you kind of just focus on crushing it with uh, brew and brew that got to the point where you, you trained up the people and then you just kind of attracted onto yourself opportunity. People started throwing opportunities at you and then you had an opportunity and you're like, this is, we'd be stupid to walk away from this opportunity. Yeah. Like we definitely put it out there in the ether that we were ready to like do okay. a thing, but we didn't know what it was. So we, when you, when you made that decision to do the thing, um, how did you, you said you weren't ready but how, what, what things did you do? Did you change anything about the way you operated your brew and brew to free yourself up to put more energy into the other half? It was literally just securing like those three positions. Like, okay. like Jeff as a general manager, comfortable, doing a great job, hiring, you know, training, all of that. Um, Chris Mumford running the beer program, just absolutely killing it with the beer program. I guess I'll be more direct. Yeah. Did you have systems? Did you improve your systems? Did you lean more on systems when you chose to remove yourself, the people, but you still had those other people or did you yeah. just replace yourself with other people? I mean, like they just sort of moved into our roles is gotcha. essentially how it happened. Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So them up. I was buying all the coffee and training and, you know, doing all the, the espresso stuff and Grady was buying beer because Grady's a huge beer nerd and that was, he built that beer program. Um, and then, yeah, we just sort of just sort of replaced ourselves with, gotcha. with the folks that were as good, if not better than what okay. we were doing cool. and we had more attention as well. Nice. Yeah. So um, take us through that whole process of a uh, better half. We were looking at opening essentially a, another brew and brew maybe, or something similar, but with cocktails and Mike Bullard, our broker and partner um, showed us a few places. Uh, some were, we were kind of close to looking at and like maybe put an LOI on, and then uh, he took us over to this this like piece of property on West Fifth, um, kind of before we were going to go look at what we what we actually were set to look at that day, which was this restaurant called Olivia, over on South Lamar. And it was on a Monday, and he took us over to this. He was like, well, "I just want I want you to see this." And we went over. We looked at this Quonset hut, like this big like airplane hangar type building in the back. <clears throat> and you know, I, the the front building is two buildings on this property. And the front building is this like shitty enterprise rental car spot where I've rented a car from, <laughs> totally wrecked that car, backed it into a tree in New Mexico. But I rented that car from this spot. And I was like, oh, I've been here, but it's like this garbage place. It's like a weird office with low ceilings. Um, huge parking lot, obviously, because it's a car rental, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's like a kind of a vacant lot behind it. And then next door is this giant, this Quonset hut that we were looking at. And there are two different addresses. Um, but the, the whole, the whole, like the pro it was one property, like gotcha. it was to be leased altogether, two lots together. Yeah. Two buildings. Even, gotcha. You know what I mean? So, uh, we looked at that and basically sort of laughed and like, couldn't believe it. We walked into the space and into the, the, the Quonset hut and we were walking around and it was essentially like, um, Steve Ogden's like sort of, I don't know, like 
like clubhouse sort of vibe, right? Okay. So he had like his El Camino, his like 64 El Camino in there, all perfect and restored. And he had like a stage and like some electric drums and like a piano and stuff. And we walked in and he turned on like Hell's Bells really loud. Uh, and it was like this this surreal moment where we're like standing in there. The the lights are there's like all these multicolor lights under the stairs. It was just it was just a weird scene. <laughs> I can't ex- really describe it. Um, but yeah, it was it was super strange and incredible that that even existed in Austin. Like you, it's next to the train tracks. There's no houses around it. It's downtown. You can see downtown from there, um, but it's not quite downtown. Yeah, it's old Austin, old West Austin. Um, and it just it, it was incredible and we basically walked away from there going well that was cool man that's an insane thing I can't, I can't imagine who's going to take that you know um, <laughs> and I instantly called uh, my buddy Moody he's got Mohawk I was like hey is this this could be an incredible venue like music venue I called my buddy Jeff who owned Frank um, and I was like what did, I don't know what to do with this both of them were like I don't know let's come take a look at it before we could even show it to anybody else we kind of the three of us were like this has to be a brew pub and then that's going, that's what holdout is going to be, and we didn't even know what we were going to do with that front small building. So we ended up just kind of thinking on it, and thinking on it, and we were going to do a little brew and brew cocktail situation in that front building that used to be Enterprise Rental Car, and uh, the city wanted you to have a, a kitchen, and then from there it was like, well, I guess we have to we have to have a, a, a food program. So um, when was this conversation happening? Because you guys opened is, in 2018, January. Yeah. So this happened the previous year, like maybe a year and a half before. So like 2016 summer. Yeah. I okay. Could, man, I, time is weird. I really want to like take a look at my phone and be like, <laughs> when did I take the photo of that building? From the, you know what I mean? So 16 sounds good. Okay. Um, so th- so you committed a year and a half before you actually did anything with that space? No. We, um, we like went through... You know the, the lease situation of like negotiating, renegotiating, trying to get it all dialed in. Um, and once we, I mean, once we signed that lease, like we were, you know, we had to go through. How much? How long did it take for you to actually sign the lease after oh, doing all the lease negotiation? Man, because in the middle of that, you know, we're we're kind of just trying to really run a business. Yeah, <laughs> we'll both run a business and also figure out what like what like how we're going to do it what it's going to look like it seemed like so much it is so much more than broom brew it's an incredible piece of property to try to bite off um so man i mean we we looked at it i have to i maybe a few months for sure just kind of like combing it trying to figure out what we're going to do and talking to people and trying to figure out how we were going to fund the project um and then yeah we i mean we signed that lease and it was sort of like you know sort of go time and we landed on better half as the name and in so the, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're touching on two things that a lot of people will write to me and they'll, they'll ask for me to go deeper in these subjects. Yeah. Uh, the first one is lease negotiation. The second one is securing the money to do it. Cause you guys are already kind of, you were already kind of tapped out from opening this first restaurant you were, or, or uh, broom brew, not necessarily a restaurant, more of a cafe. Yeah. Um, did you develop a reputation at this point? Did you pay back the people that you borrowed money from or where were you in that regard? We're still, we're still working on all of our paybacks from broom brew right now. Um, and which is, you know, we're about to, it was only five years ago. Yeah, it's true. But that's, that's, that's time. You know, that does, that does fucking matter. Like that's a big deal. Um, but we were about to hit all the construction across the street as well is about to be, you know, this massive, like there's a whole foods and a hop dotty and all this stuff going in across the street. So, 
I think we're about to see like Brew and Brew's like heyday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we we have all friends and family that are in on that, and with that, they you know, there's there's a lot of love for the project in general, um, and and the people involved. I think that's another lesson that's yeah. worth putting uh, emphasis on. Don't go to people who are investing in the business. Go to people who are investing in you. It's it's definitely that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, like, I think that there's. It depends. You know, I feel like I I I listen to like Eater Upsell and like random stuff like that where they they talk about you know investors that are they invested for the table. You know, uh, like I I you know I invested in fine dining for being able to call in anytime on any night and be able to get a table. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's not like I'm not in fine dining, so I can't really speak to that. But like for these investors and for all of our friends, I mean, definitely my mom, um, you know, she's just like, I, I want to be a part of this. Like, I love you guys, you know? And that, that to me is, is super important yeah. and valuable and being able to work with those people. Okay. Uh, Cause there's a lot of bad money out there Yeah, and, absolutely. and taking money from, from friends in a way that's like, this is now partially like your beer bar and coffee shop. Like this is our community. Yeah. I think that's important and really cool to remember. Um, but yeah, it's, we did a similar thing with, with better half. I think that with better half, there's a little bit like of like a friend of a friend sends someone your way or, or something like that, because it's definitely a, a, a huge project. We funded the whole thing. Uh, we're still, I mean, yeah, we funded the whole thing at the same time. So it's, Better Half and Holdout Brewing are one one project, uh, two separate businesses, two separate addresses, but one project. You invest in one, you're investing in both. Is how we did it. Well, I like that you decided to scale into it and by only focusing on the the restaurant. Yeah, uh, Better Half and saying, okay, we we secured this property. We'll scale into that. Like, what was your thought process going into that? As far as sorry, uh, scaling into why you purchased the the properties together, but you only put energy into better half yeah so what was that what was the rationale the thought process behind that the way that we're, i mean the way that we did it and grady grady could definitely if, if grady were here to talk to you about the funding situation he's got a lot of great stories for you about that as well but you know you you fund it up to a point that you can open better half um but you're raising money for both projects right so then you've got enough money to, to get better half open you've got some money coming in from that and then you fit and you finish your your funding to get holdout going mm-hmm. um and that's kind of why we did it fund up to a point to get one going, continue your funding to finish. So how'd you know you'd be at a point where you were good to go with the, the first half? Um, but we, I mean, you price out how much it's going to take to you hit a marker. Yeah, you hit absolutely. It yeah, okay. absolutely. Budget it out. Totally. Yeah, totally. And we definitely like overshot our budget by like a good, good grip. Of, good how, grip what's of cash. a good grip? I'm curious. What oh shit, man. Is? You're, you're asking all these questions, you know, <laughs> just, uh, I realize this isn't your lane. You're the, you're the, 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 the service end. Uh, I, I'd say we, we we about about 400 grand more than we had planned on doing for better half but a okay. lot of that came from the city deciding like telling us that we needed a, like a full kitchen yeah. uh, to be able to do it so that was a huge huge part of it but it's a huge that's a huge lesson always yeah, whatever you totally. think it's going to take 50% more or a minimum yeah. 25% I always more. say 20 25% yeah. this was definitely unique because we were going to do uh, we, we needed a mixed bev permit right to do cocktails um, and we were, you know, we we're doing coffee. We needed food, but we kind of assumed like maybe we'll figure out like a food truck, or maybe we'll figure out like we didn't know what we were gonna do. And the city was essentially like, no, dude, you gotta, you gotta do it. You have to actually be a restaurant if you're gonna do this. Yeah. Um, these are all learning, learning curves, right? So that's that's exactly which, what we did. Which is kind of a good transition yeah. because you mentioned that uh, in opening this restaurant, you had a higher 
you had to build the roles and then fill the roles. Absolutely. So that was different with the with Brew and Brew. You you found the people and then created the roles. But this was kind of ba- this this approach was a little opposite. Absolutely. I so feel which like, approach was better. Um, this makes the most sense for opening is planning for these roles because then you can actually plan monetarily for paying those people and you know to be yeah. in those roles, right? So we're, we're Brew and Brew. We're planning to do it ourselves. Essentially, was kind of how we how we approached it. Same with flat track. Like we're just going to do this shit ourselves and figure it out. Um, this was the most like, you know, thought out. We learned a lot, you know, five years later, four years later. What are the biggest lessons you learned? If you could like map out or just list the biggest lessons you learned that you, that you applied, that you, you opened uh, better half differently because of the lessons you learned. What were those lessons? And why, like, that you that can't is- be on bar. Mm-hmm. Like that's my main thing is like, you can't really be, you can't plan to be, on bar all the time as an owner to me. Like I just like I see Tober here all the time, like just crushing bar, and that like blows my mind. <laughs> like you know he owns Nickel City uh, with Brandon and, and some and some partners, and I I see that and I'm like, dude, like that guy is like that's he's a workhorse, man. Yeah. Like I, yeah. There's just there's just no. You can't do it all the time. You're no, right. You but can't. I, I you think literally that it can't. Also, it's important that you do do it every you, once in a while. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But you have to create a situation where it. The business isn't dependent on you. It's Absolutely. dependent on the the roles, the systems, the processes, the procedures. And then you plug in the great people, right? And then totally. you and then you do choose to do that night in the bar, so you have a presence and you're showing people how it's done. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, what else? So, what were the other big lessons you learned? You said you can't be on bar. You can't be the person. You have to create a situation where it doesn't rely on you. Basically, is what I got from that. What yeah. else? I think you know the when we were talking about like funding a project as well. Um, that you are certainly going to go out of budget. There's just yeah. no chance that you're going to be in budget, especially in this town. Um, there's a lot of issues with permitting and stuff. Stuff takes a really long time to get through the city. Um, like there's like one electric electrical inspector. You know, it's one guy. You know, yeah. that guy's on vacation. You're sort of shit out of luck until he gets back. Um, so just pl- just planning for longer times and a little bit more money than you had, yeah. you had thought previously. What about these people? Uh, I mean, it kind of blows my mind that you were able to put together this team in 2018 that's this year and i've interviewed a lot of people this year who have said it is so hard to find people good help absolutely uh and you were able to do that in a new concept and you guys kind of had a track record but you didn't really have the reputation that you have now uh how did you pull that team together it i mean luckily we've got a like a lot of really talented friends in the industry as well. Um, Mark Stowe, who runs, he's our GM for the, the entire project. So that's holdout and better half, um, that I've never met a guy that works as hard as like, as he does. He's incredible. And he's also like the most like personable, like teddy bear. Like he's so sweet. I love that guy. Um, he, without him, this wouldn't really, to me, be possible. Like, this whole project. And what is his role exactly? He's our general manager. Okay. Yeah, exactly. General manager. Was he with you at uh, Brew & Brew? He actually helped us open Brew & Brew, but okay. not just as an, as an employee, like, as a bar a bar guy. Okay. I met him at Pint House Pizza. Like, he was just like, I like beer. I'll help you. And so he, like, jumped in and, like, nice. helped us get off the ground. Um, and, you know, he rightfully so was like, cool, this is really fun, but, like, I'm going to go, and I'm going to go do other things. Yeah. And so he ended up being the beverage director, uh, food and beverage director for Violet Crown Cinema, which is, you know, they're super awesome indie yeah. film kind of cinema that does okay. great food and drinks. So when it was time to like work on this, we hit him up and we're like, so what's up? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, 
I could be into that. So after some talks, you know, he was, we, he was stoked so and we, you, we carved out a little chunk for him in like, you know, yeah. I feel like you, you can't emphasize it enough. Yeah. And I, it, it's a, it's a saying that's probably overused, but your network is your net worth. It absolutely, and, absolutely In this is. industry, you're only as good as the people that you know. And yeah, absolutely. So like spend time networking, taking care of it and don't do it like in a way to that you're looking for something in return, but just be awesome to other people in this industry and it will come back around. If you take care of people, they will take care of you. Absolutely. And you're, yeah, you're only as good as your staff and yep. the people that you work with and around. Um, I always like to say that I don't, I don't feel like I, like anyone works for me. You know what I mean? I feel like I work sort of for them way more mm-hmm. than the other way around. And there's never been a moment. There may be, maybe like a handful of times when a friend has been like, dude, you did it. It's open. Look at you. Look at what you did. And like, it's not me. You know what I mean? But like, I understand what that person means. But 99% of the time I look at any of these things, brew and brew, better half flat track. And it's like, I'm just here to work for y'all. Make sure y'all yeah. have a, have a job that you enjoy. Yeah. And one other thing I picked up from doing the research uh, and trying to find out some of the secrets to your success, you guys are really good about getting out of your, or staying in your lane and, and outsourcing and hiring for all the other stuff. Like you guys want, like what did you outsource for? I mean, as far as or anything like oh, that, or I mean, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother can of worms altogether. Like we, with flat track, Sterling and I built everything. Sterling being the main builder of everything is yeah. a welder. Um, and then, you know, the branding was done by our, our buds, Caleb and Ryan, who, you know, Caleb, we rode BMX with, and they have a thing called uh, land, like land boys. They do just incredible stuff around town and internationally. Um, great branding, branding agency. I'd say agency. I don't know if that's right. They're just like two dudes with some buds that work in a warehouse and, uh, and make beautiful things, you know? Um, and, you know, that was our, our first dealing with branding. And then Justin Cox, who's a, a, you know, college friend of like Matt and Grady, he did all the branding for, for better half to open. And then later his buddy, uh, Cody Halton jumped in and took over and is now doing the branding for, 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 uh, sorry for broom brew. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean like all that stuff is so important. Like I didn't know anyone when we first started flat track and now like all of my friends, like all the, all the buds, like they just, we all work together. Like we've got Joe Sweck doing all the hand painted sign work. Um, we've got Lillian Steckel who did the interior for, for better half. Like these are all friends of ours that we just met over the years. Like yeah. that network yeah. situation is super key. And the, it's what, that's why I'm bringing Absolutely. this back yeah. up because you, you, you said it like it wasn't, I mean, you had something to do with it obviously, but it wasn't just you. It was going to your network, seeing the strengths, the talents of all these people and bringing them all together and, to, to, work yeah, on one project totally and people that you enjoy as humans right you know you want to work with people that you really enjoy and like that makes for such uh so much of a better product if it comes from that place and they have their brand tied to that so they're yeah. gonna promote it they're gonna bring people in right totally um what is the secret to bringing all those different people in to work on one project and having the vision uh the objective remain the same without getting too wishy-washy with too many people's hands in the pot Hmm. Man, that's a really that's a killer question because I feel like at any given time there's like an extra set of hands in the pot that weren't there the day before. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it really. I feel like each project there needs to be sort of like a not a project manager, but maybe like a director of things, you know, um, or maybe two, um, and then like they sort of have like veto power on the end result of stuff, you know, because like you're not gonna like I can tell you right now if if 
if I asked, if, if you asked Lily if she got exactly what she wanted out of Better Half interior design wise, she'd be like, fuck no, you know, but <laughs> yeah. she killed it. And yeah. like, she's super proud of it because we all worked on it together. But like, there are moments that she really wanted to like put this specific thing in this specific place. And it, you know, it's, it's all of us working together. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like Grady and Matt and I, it's our, it's, you know, it's our project, right? So, um, I think just being there and directing the entire thing is super important. You can't just let the construction, interior, branding, and everything just kind of go and like yeah. make it for you. So now you have three restaurants that you've built under your belt or you've helped build, uh, been a part of building, with two on the horizon. What are you going to do differently going to the future? Things you've learned from to this day that you're going to apply going into the future to have a better like chance of success? This newest... This newest one we're working on right now um, is called Little Brother Bar, and it's 367 square feet. It's like a tiny room, sort of harkening back to like the original flat track size. Um, and I'm working on it with Matt and Grady and uh, Cody Haltom, who's branding and also doing our interior with with me. Um, sort of my this is more of like my brainchild and, yeah. and project uh, with Matt and Grady helping. But what I've done on this is. Uh, like taken like much more of a uh, like a forward. I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm handling construction way more, and I'm like, GCing more. Yeah, yep. definitely GCing more. But like you know, we have a GC. Like we're going through Fine Line, and they're great. They did Suerte. They've done you know Brewers Table, a bunch of other great spots in town. Um, but you know they like I, that's a that's a new thing for me. And all of that is a whole nother learning situation. It's I'm just super excited about. Like I really enjoy being on site and kind of putting out fires or dealing with issues that like that come up you know like it's been really fun and that's usually grady's world so he's been kind of supporting me but um yeah it's been awesome like i i really i enjoy it it's stressful shit but uh yeah i think that's all that's a it's been really great to learn all that stuff beautiful man i can't believe we're already at an hour and 10 minutes of recording time this time goes by so fast i, I swear to god but before we go take a break and thank our sponsors and bust out a, a speed round, is there anything you were hoping we would discuss that we didn't get around to? Any other nuggets of knowledge in that head of yours that you can drop on us before we thank our sponsors? Oh, man. Um, not really. It's like I feel like I just went through some weird time warp where I don't even know what I just said. But, um, uh, don't yeah. worry. I recorded it all. Yeah, so. I know. I'm really terrified. Um, yeah, man. I, I think that... I think one of the most important things that we've what we even talked about today was just like the people around you and in your community. Like, I think that's super important. Like being able to like have those conversations with people in your community that are doing similar things um, and, and, you know, coming together and trying to like make it easier for the next round of yous that are going to try this stuff out. Like the more help that we can get, like, from the community to try to like better the, uh, the permit situation down at the city or like, um, you know, talk about like what, benefits look like to to staff and like everything like trying to everyone coming together and putting your minds together i think is super important and uh the industry will only get stronger Dude, with more people being on the same side singing to my heart that's right now, literally the the biggest takeaway from all of this stuff is just like you know have the conversation like like people are going to come to you and be like man i really want to open a thing how do i do it and it's like shit man you're asking like you're asking someone who's done it but like i don't have there's no like there's no specific like sheet for how you do no, this. No, there's not one way to and, do it. And, you know, there's a friend of ours. She's looking at doing a wine bar and we're talking about it. She's like, I'm terrified. I've never even worked in the industry, but I know I really want to do this. I'm like, you, 
of course you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, she's Everybody like, had to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, she's like, like, I just hear all this stuff and I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, you can fucking do it. Like you can for sure do it. Is it going to be difficult? Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Are you going to fuck up? You're going to fuck up a lot. Yeah. But in the end of the day, like you definitely can do it. You're going to come out on the other side and it, you know, it may not work, but it, it, it could work. And either way, you're going to learn a whole lot from it. And I don't think anyone should be discouraged from opening something or trying to open something. Beautiful, man. I've loved this conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. And we're going to fill our beer classes. We'll be right back. If you listen to Restaurant Unstoppable, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. There are two things that you need to let determine your growth. The first thing, that's people. The second thing, that's cash flow. And we've got you covered on the cash flow part of things because I'm working with cashflowtool.com, the ultimate cloud-based solution for your business. Cashflowtool.com is simple, powerful, and predictive. It's simple because it requires no data entry. It's always up to date and it works on any device, anywhere. It's powerful because with its built-in cash flow calendar, activity feed, and anomaly detector, you instantly know all aspects of your cash flow with no surprises. And it's predictive because you know your cash flow today and you can anticipate it tomorrow. Head over to www.cashflowtool.com slash unstoppable and enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout and you'll receive pro features at the essential features price. All right, I have a question for you. How can an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant? Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry. With an estimated $40 billion in losses in the U.S. in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the U.S. EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and web-based restaurantethics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to ethicssuites.com slash restaurants unstoppable and you'll get three additional months so for the cost of 12 months you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait characteristic you believe most contributes to your success oh man i think uh resilience (laughs) what is your biggest weakness um, numbers and spreadsheets. <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team? Um, oh man, that's super hard. I always, I always like to know what people's like favorite bars and cafes are. It's mm. like, I like to know that first. What are you looking for? I'm looking just to see where they hang out yeah. and like, you know, I can put, I can put them in that place. I think that's interesting. It's a really interesting question. Cause I feel like we choose, we choose where we go out to eat based off of how we want to be identified. 
how people are going to identify us and how we want to be identified with others. Like it's, it's, it says a lot about the psychographics, right? I agree. And so, I don't want to judge them for it, but I definitely, w- I think it's interesting to put them in that place. It's and a like, good way to gauge somebody yeah. and who they are and what their values totally. are. Totally. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? Biggest challenge today? I think we talked about it a little bit, but uh, learning the construction lingo uh, for build outs and like GCing that stuff is really, it's difficult. How are you dealing with that? Um, just doing it, like yeah. getting in there, like what honestly getting you? your hands yeah. dirty is the only way to do it. What is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? I like to tell the staff to use um, heads up service. Like I think that making eye contact with a customer and being welcoming is going to buy you a second in a, in a super busy environment. And it's really important for like, just acknowledging your customer. I feel like that is the answer to the next question I was going to ask, which is what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? Oh, I got uh, one for you. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be a standard of service or a core, a core value? Or I'll core go value? standard of service on that okay. one for you. Um, uh, when it comes to coffee, uh, hold your fucking cup by the, by the handle. That's why they're made. When it comes to coffee, hold your cup. Yeah, by if the you're handle. pouring a drink, don't grab it from the bottom. Hold oh, it by the handle. That's okay. why the fucking handle's on there. <laughs> I like it. Um, but what about a code of conduct as far as like a core value, uh, a, a moral, uh, a way to be? Man. You mean for for the staff? It's like a, yeah, a, something you teach your staff, a way to be, like a way to, to conduct yourself. You mentioned the eye contact. I, I like that, but I feel like that's... On the side of like standards I, of service, I like to say respect the chill a lot um, because we don't run like a traditional like restaurant group ty- like type of situation. Yeah, um, like if you don't respect the chill, the chill stop it ceases to exist. Right, respect the chill. I yeah, like means. if you like sure we're all friends and we're all family, but if you are super lax, those rules will tighten. Mm. And I think that that's super important. Like the idea of like having a pretty enjoyable work environment is like the reason we all do this, right? We want to yeah. make sure that people are enjoying themselves at work. Um, but then, you know, sometimes people maybe, uh, don't quite respect the chill. And then all of a sudden the rules get a little more strict and things get a little strange for everybody. Yeah. I love that. Too. Yeah. Like respect the chill, respect the chill. That. We all want it to be chill. Yeah. And if you do your job and you're professional, it will be chill. And if you start, start not doing your job we're gonna have to make this a little less chill absolutely you don't show up that's not chill (laughs) i dig it man that's awesome uh what is one book that'll make us a better person or restaurant operator um so i think that most of the people that you you interview are gonna give you like a culinary book that you should go turn to um i think it's really important to take in all of that stuff but i all think i think it's super important to like remove your headspace um I would say go read Desert Solitaire. Ooh. Um, I think that's just like Edward Abbey's a genius and it puts you in the desert in like the 60s and 50s. And I think that's it's really important to like get your head out of the restaurant. So what was the biggest lesson you learned from that book? Oh, shit, man. Maybe we shouldn't have dammed up the Colorado River. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just think that like solitude is really important. You know, that's like you, you need you need to take time off. You have to take time off. What is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Um, I think I think they don't maybe play to the crowd, uh, for lack of a better term, but like they maybe open a project that they are super excited about that's like their dream, but maybe it isn't in a uh, a spot that like then maybe the neighborhood doesn't need what you what your dream is. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to like if you've got a space 
like you should open something that's beneficial to the neighborhood. Yeah, you've alluded, you kind of alluded to that earlier. Like you weren't, you're looking for an opportunity. Like you're, you're creating the concept based off of what the space was and where it was and what that area needed. We opened Brew and Brew because we wanted to open Brew and Brew, you know, and like, that's the only thing we knew. Um, but when we moved away from that and started looking at new things, you have a space in front of you and you have your strengths. And I think you should play to your strengths in the neighborhood and not just force a square peg in a round hole because I think that'll bite you in the ass every time. What is one technology you've adopted within your four walls that has had a huge impact on operations, communications, efficiency, profit, profitability, things of that nature that you can share with us? Uh, Grady got me on... Um, Google Keep. I think Google Keep is tight. What it's is basically Keep? just a note-taking thing okay. that you can share with buds, and then you can check things off of a list. So instead of having like your Post-it that's just for you, you've got a Post-it that's for you and all of your... So that's like uh, in the Google suite. Yeah, I think okay. it's rad. Matt Wright pushes back against it. I think that's rad because he's got... He's like total like tech nerd in that that vein like he has his things that he uses well like grady and i uh grady turned me on to google keep i think it's i think the the, the key thing there is it's a it's a checklist it's a digital checklist literally checking and there are so many freaking literal literal or i don't know what the hell i was trying to say there's so many digital that's what i was trying to say digital checklists out there absolutely Uh, and then you can can see but you can also see what's on whose plate i Mm -hmm. think that's important trello it sounds a lot like trello yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, there's tons. Of there's tons of these out there. Just, this is what works just for me. Use it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, whatever it is you're using, it will make you better if you live your life off of a checklist. What's you your partner doing, and what are you needing to exactly. do? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome stuff. All right, this is the last question, and it's a fucking doozy, dude. So get Ooh. ready for it. It's coming. <laughs> if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Uh, I think like work doesn't define you is like the main thing. One. Oh, I've got to have three of these fuckers? Yeah. Um, <laughs> shit, man. Um, Editing is going to be more difficult because there's music playing in the background. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I've got two more. I feel like work doesn't define you is like super important to me uh, as of recently. Like I feel like time off is like mega key. Um, work doesn't define you. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. I'm giving you that one. Okay, you gave me that one. Yeah, I did. I did say that. Um, <laughs> you are. I mean, you're only as good as you're only as good as the people around you. Um, and then. Um, Man, I think you're not defined by your work. Number three, <laughs> <laughs> and with your partners, you know, figuring out where you end and they begin, I think is super important. Beautiful, I love it. Awesome stuff, man. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship with our, my audience. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So, who is one person that you admire in the Austin market? Somebody that you look up to and believe would make a great guest mentor like you made for us today. Man, uh, of all the people, I think that um, Sam Hellman Mass over at Suerte is like a complete fucking boss and you need to go talk to him. Sam, look out. I'm coming after you. And now let the folks at home know how can we connect with you if we want to follow your work, if we want to maybe come join your team, what's the best way to connect? Um, right now, we're opening a thing called Little Brother uh, at Little Brother Bar on Instagram. It's a good way to go. Um, and then, you know, we've got myself uh, at Matthew Arthur on the Instagram as well. 
this is, this is episode 567. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 567. I'll have a summary of today's discussion over there, as well as a link to any tool, book, or resource recommended. Again, my man, Matthew Bullock. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. All right, there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I'm sitting at the bar just uh, reflecting on this conversation that we had. And I think the big takeaway for me in this conversation, it obviously, is just you're as good as the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, so really be paying attention to who you are surrounding yourself with Uh playing on their strengths, knowing your lane, and then also just starting and, and throwing yourself into situations and showing up every day just a little bit better. Uh, you know, some of the things I, I pulled from today's conversation, obviously there's a, there were a ton of things in today's conversation. This was a, a great one, uh, but I want to use the rest of my time before I say goodbye to remind you guys uh, that I am listening to you. If you shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com and tell me who you want to hear from and what you have questions about or what you want to learn or what topics are interesting to you. I'm listening and I want, I want my listeners to determine the content of Restaurant Unstoppable going a few forward i don't want this to be the eric cacciatore show this is about all of us and then we talked about it today uh towards the end of the conversation you know it, it's a, if we lean on each other if we share knowledge we can go much further and that's the mission of this podcast is to create a platform to have these conversations to start sharing knowledge to make the industry better for all of us so i need your help if this is gonna work i need you to to reach out to me to tell me what I already mentioned, who you want to hear from and what you want to learn, or maybe just uh, topics that you think need to be taught. Like it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't have to be uh, like a, a deep dive into one topic. It could just be like cultural issues that are coming up or um, our man, Matthew mentioned it earlier. Like what are people doing for benefits? And these are all examples of, of things we can talk about and share knowledge on the show. So put things on my radar. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all until next time. Peace out.